Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 385. And when you have a nose like his, it's wise to follow it sometimes. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Very good. I'm good. Following your noses? It always knows. <laughs> Among <laughs> other things. Did you guys have a good week? <laughs> yeah, not bad. I mean, I haven't done much this Do week. Do anything fun? No. Caught up on uh, rest Development, so I'm all caught up on that now. They dropped another season a week or two mm, ago. Yeah, that's right. So I'm caught up on season five now. and I'm in season two. <laughs> it's seasons one, two, and three are still its best. Season four was rough, but I did go back just this last month and watch the re-edit, which I think worked better. It's obvious to me now the re-edits, but I think if you're coming to it for the first time, you might not notice it, and I think it makes it a little smoother. Season five, I still don't know what to think about, but I'm gonna have to do a rewatch of it to see. But it felt a little rough, but. I don't even know what I mean by that, but it just felt wrong. So. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, did you guys do anything, uh, watch anything? We finished up The Toys That Made Us. Oh, oh yeah. Season two. It was pretty good. Uh, I think season one's better, but season two was pretty interesting. We watched all of it. Like, in the process of watching season one, season two dropped. And I did not do that on purpose. <laughs> it just so <laughs> happened that, oh, eight-part documentary series. Okay. Oh, look, all eight parts are now here. Oh. <laughs> um. Season two is pretty interesting. Uh, it surprised me that Star Trek was listed on there. It, when, when you tell me Star, you know, when you tell me toys from my childhood, Star Trek is not on that list. You know? Well, and, you know, so many of the the stories that they tell are you know huge successes, not Star Trek. That's kind of the one exception to the entire series, which is interesting. But it has a starts you off on season two with a really weird foot of. But we were talking about show toys that were really successful and huge and kind of their rise and fall. And this is just kind of a downward spiral from the get-go. <laughs> what? <laughs> but the, the other ones were pretty interesting. Even the Transformers and Hello Kitty was actually more interesting than uh, I thought it would be. We watched uh, Upgrade. Upgrade? It's the uh, it's a new movie from Bloomhouse. But it, if, you, oh, if you've okay. seen the trailer, which normally would not be my scene, if you've seen the trailer, this guy, he's in an accident, he becomes a paraplegic or quadriplegic. Norms and legs usage. Quadra. Quadriplegic. Uh, and um, so he has a chip implanted in him that's supposed to control his motor functions, and then it starts talking to him. <laughs> All right. Think Big Hero 6. What if Baymax was a badass? That's about it. We finished off watching the uh, Oceans movies, getting ready for Oceans 8, but didn't get out to see it this weekend. Uh, cool. Should we move on to news? No news. Well, there's no real news this week, but we do want to take this opportunity to let you know and remind you that uh, there are places that you can catch us other than iTunes. Um, we are actually now on Google uh, Play Podcasts, which is a new development for us. So if you are a Google uh play uh user you can find us there the podcast is there as well there's a link on our website uh we are also on tune in now which is another big one um the some of the ones that we're currently on and have been on for a while but just as a reminder uh, itunes obviously uh stitcher uh pocket cast player fm uh we're also on blueberry if you use that and we are on mixcloud there is one slight little issue with mixcloud when searching it, if you put the X on the end of it, you may not find it. So it's you just it's traveling the vortex right now until we get some <laughs> issues worked out. Uh, and we're still waiting on a few others. Uh, we decided to uh, again. We've been on a lot of these, 
uh, for a while, but we thought, you know, let's get on some of the other ones and, and let people know because we know that iTunes isn't your only source for podcasts for most listeners. And maybe you um, have a favorite, but you're using some other right. source to get us. And if like, you, well, maybe we are in your favorite. And so. keep in mind that you can go to our website and uh, get our RSS feed and type that into your own uh, podcast aggregator. And it will also search that site, uh, that feed, and you can subscribe from there as well. So that's simple to do as well. Um, one of the things that we wanted to also mention this week is uh, while you're at those uh, sites, especially iTunes, um, if you leave us a review, we would yes. appreciate that because uh, the reviews also help generate likes for us on those websites and gets the word out that we're out there and gets the word out that we're a uh, Doctor Who podcast first and foremost and that uh, there are people that listen to us and like us. So <laughs> uh, five-star reviews are preferred, but you don't have to. We want you to rate us whatever you want. But you know those you five stars those five stars are what get us out there in, in popularity on those podcasts. But we do want you to be honest. So. Did we deliver awesome service? Give us a five. We do <laughs> want to thank the people that have done reviews for us on iTunes and other uh, podcasts yeah. because uh, those have, have helped as well. So thank you very much. Absolutely. And, of course, while you're on our website, you can send us feedback if you want. You can send it to feedback at Traveling the Vortex or click on the Send Us Feedback tab. Uh, if you're on looking at our Facebook page, you can also click the email button there and send it to it directly. Send it to us directly. Yep. And I'll go to the uh, feedback yeah. mailbox. So And we'll read it out. Yes, yep. we will. Unless you tell us not to. And while we're... Uh, Even then we still might. <laughs> while, while we're asking for our listeners to do things for us, also consider uh, supporting us on Patreon. Um, if you uh, go to our website, travelingthevortex.com, there is a button there, and it makes it easy. It walks you through the process. All of those proceeds go right back into this show. Anything else? we are very, very appreciative. So we got news out of the way and feedback out of the way. What's next? Reviews! Reviews! <laughs> the magicians! That should have been... That should've pre- <laughs> That should have went before the news, right? Yeah. Well, there wasn't any, so. <laughs> you must never tell us tell, not a soul. That's the magician's oath. A heat wave in July and a tube train is discovered buried in 20 inches of snow. A Saturday afternoon in Hyde Park and scores of people are instantly frozen to death where they stand while the sun beats down from the sky. Freak weather conditions in London and the third doctor and unit are called in to find the cause. Meanwhile, a street music magician. <laughs> street musician. <laughs> so natural. You to heard say a street different. Musician. You heard a different story than I did. Who witnessed this? Who was witnessed at the scene of the tragedy? Entertains crowds in Covent Garden as Joe Grant and Mike Yates disobey orders and investigate alone. They discover an, an enemy with terrifying powers, and they may not live to share his secrets. Bum bum bum. I wasn't wowed by this one. Oh, I enjoyed it. It was thoroughly, it was, it was fine. Well, I, I guess to be honest, I wasn't wowed by it, but I liked <laughs> it. I quite liked it. It was better than Cats. I'll listen to it again and again. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I At least the first, probably two thirds of it. I think it fell apart a little bit. At yeah, the end. I think that's my issue with it. Okay. Is, uh, after... I enjoyed it while listening to it, but all said and done, I was like, okay, well, that was that. Um, I'm moving on just because it kind of does fall apart and it feels like two very different ideas trying to be shoved together in one. And but, yeah, that's while, and while the, the kind of twist at the end of who this magician is is cool, it feels so disjointed from the first two thirds that it doesn't match well, I think. 
had it been a different story leading up to this reveal of, oh, he's a wanted murderer, mass murderer of all these people, and we wiped his mind so he doesn't remember and he's on Earth now, that has a story that's rife with potential that could have done much more with than I think it did. I agree. I think it's, for me, it was you either needed to tell the strange but cool story of this magician that maybe was inadvertently causing these weather changes or the story of the mass murderer who didn't know who he was <laughs> but trying yeah. to make them both the same is kind of like I don't know that that fits as well as maybe it's supposed to because it, it, it such a tonal shift there right left turn at the end of it I really really liked the first half of it though the magician story and the the, the, the detail with the frozen Hyde Park and the, the rich listening to um, Yates, what's his name? Richard, Richard Franklin. Franklin, thank you. Uh, I keep on calling him Richard Yates. It's like that's not it. <laughs> listening to Richard Franklin give the descriptions of the frozen ground and the ice and the people caught with you know excelling the last breath and the couple on the bench and just it was very eerily. Um, I mean, it, it it just struck a chord. It was really well done, and then the idea that it was caught up with the street mu- uh, musician, yeah, <laughs> street magician. <laughs> Thanks for infecting me, Keith. I needed that. Uh, for some reason, we don't have many street magicians in the U.S. Well, maybe that's it. I just I, that was a really cool idea, and I, I really dug that. And I like the fact that Joe and you know they're, they're kind of given stuff to do. I think Richard Franklin does a really decent third doctor. For most of it. But then when you got to the end, again, it kind of felt like maybe it's just because I was getting acclimated to it. And then I was beginning to pick at it. Um, it didn't seem like it was quite as good. In the, but initially, it was like, oh, wow, that's pretty good. Now his brigadier, eh, I don't want to talk about the brigadier. But. I don't ever judge these actors for their portrayal of the other roles in this. Yeah. Because... First of all, this is a companion chronicle, and this is the companion that's often relaying the story to you. So it's, you have to give him a pass and forgiveness. Second is we tend to want to do that because we have people like Fraser Hines that does a incredible right. second doctor. And, in fact, we have uh, Peter Purvis who does a very passable uh, first doctor. So when you get somebody that comes in to read a third doctor story, I think it's just our natural inclination to go, oh, we want him to be a good third doctor. But... I think, and Keith and I probably can attest to this, that we probably think less so of his impression because we've heard a very good impression yeah. of the Third Doctor Adventures. So Tim Treloris is phenomenal. Yeah. And so I think that, that I have to give him a pass anytime. And, yeah. and, and when they use uh, uh, female voices, too, I, I give them a pass because it's, it's it's near impossible. I don't want them to go oh, to no, the point where they're spoofing. Like some, well, I don't want them to go some, so far as that they're spoofing somebody, but I do want yeah, them to kind of yeah. lighten and kind of fall into that, uh, the uh, maybe that more softer tones. Um, but I, I actually differ from you guys on this. I thought from A to B, it was or A to Z, it was a great story, a good story. Um, I liked the fact that I agree with you. The first half of the story is really good because of the exploration of what's going on with this magician. But I really like the fact that they we turn around and find out that he's this prisoner that's been, you know, ab- abandoned on Earth and wiped the memory. I, I thought that was kind of a cool, intriguing turn for it. And I think that something like what you were saying, that the story had more potential. Well, one of you guys were saying yeah. the story had more potential for something else. And I agree with you as a main range. 
as a companion chronicle, I think this works because I think it, it, it kind of encapsulates two folds of this story of what's going on here. And the, I think really the the point of this story is the um, uh, is it unrequited love. Is that what you call it? Where yeah, between, yeah. between Yates and yeah. and and uh, uh, Joe. And I actually was quite frankly surprised that the doctor not the brig so much but the doctor had so much of a role in this story because as this story sets up the doctor's right. very very in it very very little and i kind of like that because i thought this is kind of neat to see a through the companion's eyes without having the doctor there fixing things and to have mike be able to do some heroic things and do some of the investigative stuff himself i i almost cringed a little bit when the doctor sort of shows up and i thought oh here comes the doctor to save the day i think the fortunate thing about that is when the doctor shows up, he kind of bumbles it up by releasing the memories back to <laughs> the magician. And so I thought, oh, that's a neat turn, too, there. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. And, and it comes down that... to Mike being the, the savior at the end as well anyway. Yeah. And so I that, to me, that makes for a really good companion chronicle. I wouldn't want all of them to do this where we suddenly give the companion their entire own story where they're doing everything on their own because I think that could get a little tired too but it's nice to see, refreshing to see that come in mm-hmm. and also you know well, and it works really well in this era because it's yeah. such a group dynamic it and is. you can have these as the unit box set show you can have these stories without having the doctor there yep. because they're used to dealing with this sort of thing exactly um thinking more on it I think the the biggest downfall for me is actually the magician plotline the, really? I, the the idea that he's a magician the fact that if it was just some dude and didn't know he was doing I think I would have liked a little bit better but the the magician was the fact that he was a magician adds just one extra layer of is that really not necessary okay, there's a great story underneath and there's this misdirection because you had a great title it feels like they shoehorned the, the the fact that he's a magician into it if he was just this dude somehow magically having these powers and not knowing why I think I would have enjoyed it better. I think I can excuse it a little bit, though, or or at least... It seems very 70s, though. I think at least <laughs> retrofix it by the fact that the Doctor explains that he has this innate quality to use his talents to entertain. And I, and I agree, the direction they're going with it, where he's just this guy with magical powers... It would lend to that story, I think, better. But I think it still works for the fact that this guy has no idea who he is originally. Right. He has all of these false memories. And he has this urge to entertain. And so I can kind of see if you're on Earth and you're the only person that can do these magical, mysterious things, what are you going to gravitate to? Magic. magic. Yeah. So you're going to put forth that uh, persona of being a magician anyway. So I think that, to me, it worked in that sense. Um, but I can see where it would work better in the way that you're saying. I guess I also kind of... The story could have all come across very much like a a guy that suddenly realizes he has these powers, and it's almost an X Men type story of him struggling with what they are. I guess I think that might have lent itself better. But eh. See, I think that would probably lend itself better if we were dealing more with the he's a supervillain who doesn't know right what, what he is. I, th- I think that's what would have tied it in better. The story that I thought we were getting, which is the magician who doesn't understand where the power is coming from. Oh, by the way, you also happen to be a mass murderer. <laughs> oh, because then it took this weird kind of dark turn, and even the the the, the end of it is so much bigger and grandeur. Because initially we're trapped in the house, and then we're on 
bridge and there's battlements and we're overlooking the river and there's I mean it's a very big in scope you know ending battle that, which that, that was London Bridge, right? That's the yeah. that's right where Unit HQ he is makes now. The, he makes the comment yeah. of, oh no, that was yeah. I think it was yeah. He makes the comment because as he's relaying this from his present that's, day, that's he part makes of the, the tower comment, of London. He makes the yeah. comment of you know you have offices in, there. In now fact, or I think we yeah we you have offices there now, and and as we know from uh, the Power Three, they're actually in London Tower, yeah, so yeah. or London Bridge Tower, so. But yeah, I, I agree. I just think it's it, it was it was just a little bit of a. I, I liked the sweet, misguided guy a lot more than I liked the. <laughs> oh, you're not such a nice man now. Why would you choose this vaudevillian persona? That seems weird. That you would. I don't know. It's the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, anything goes. But then again, all of the villains of Doctor Who in the seventies were kind of. Well, and I don't know that it's even as much vaudevillian as it is. Uh, Street magician. I mean, that that's what it comes to. 70s street magician. Yeah. That's just kind of from the 50s, 60s, and then bleed over into the 70s. I think he had that kind of street performers. And I think that oh, they would have taken... he was one taken, step removed from Talons. <laughs> I think he would have taken on that kind of persona on, in, in the streets as well. So, Who would have became like a David Blaine of yeah. the 70s? <laughs> yeah. No, that would have been out of character because that would have been, that would have been predated, so... I've been an anachronism there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think part of I like how they framed the story also of Mike telling some unit dude about it. But it didn't this didn't occur to me until listening to this and it kind of had the same issue some niggle in the back of my mind with the unit box set that I listened to that brought back all the entire old crew. You know who this is he's relaying this to. We assume Osgood or no, Kate. No, it's Kate. Was it Kate? Yeah. But I didn't get that. You just assume that that's Kate? That's, I got every feeling from it at the very end that that's Kate. Especially from the fact that he says something about, oh gosh, something keyed into, I'm not going to recall it now, but something keyed into specifically that it would have to be somebody that knew the brig very well. So, mm. Mm. Didn't get that. I kind of thought he was just talking to a secretary or something. That, yeah. Well, he's turning. He, he's not talking to a secretary because he's turned over alien artifacts. Yeah, so. yeah. So he's talking it's to obviously somebody, somebody from unit. Yeah. So somebody in unit, admittedly, but maybe he couldn't get an appointment with the head guy. So he's like, eh, well, okay, I'll tell. I'll tell you. It was actually somebody from the box set that I I thought, oh, maybe he's talking to this person. Um, but could be. But this was done this so was many long years before, ago yeah so before that had been I mean, a lot of forethought yeah. or some retroactive planning. I, I, it was more retroactive because they left it so ambiguous of who he was actually talking to you can kind of fit in whoever you want sure, sure. which is the nice thing um but the f- has there been a story i think i've asked this before that dealt with a follow-up of his actions and invasion of the dinosaurs because he seems to be back in good graces and i don't think he should be no 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 number one this takes place before but the retelling of the story and number two yes in planet of the spiders mike returns to help uh, okay with the um remember he meets up with sarah jane at that at that oh, hippie yeah uh, tibetan that, that's right group that's right. yeah he gets a bit of a redemption there as well because he ends up having he okay. ends up helping the doctor i agree with you it. where i i feel like i still need an, another half step between like, like where he's we in good it. graces with the doctor but not unit like there's he needs to mend those bridges with unit more than he did in 
Planet of the Spiders? Did you do think he got? No, I don't think he mended bridges with Unit in Planet yeah, of the Spiders. That's what I think he needs he, to do. He, oh, you think he needs to? Yeah, I think he needs oh. to. I think we need that. Oh. I, I, I think. Well, I, I need I, him to be because <laughs> in in the Unit box set later down the road, spoilers, he joins up and is fighting. Well, sure, no, okay, yes. It feels in, like he needs in, something. He was dishonorably but, but discharged. But I think I think yeah. that's something to speak to when we get to there because. In this, he's just showed up with some unit with some tech, stuff to, and yeah. he's just turning it in. So yeah. it's not like they're going to turn their back on him or shove him out the door or something like that. So I don't think it's necessary for this story. No, no, um, but, it, but just, it just made me as think we of get this. there. Yes, yeah. maybe, maybe that should. Yeah, happen. no, I, I agree. I, 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 I'd have to watch Planet of the Spiders again because I think even the Brigadier softens on him, softens on his betrayal. That on the on the flip side of that though. It is explained even in Invasion of the Dinosaurs that he had a nervous breakdown. Or it was at the beginning of, of Planet of Spiders, they had a nervous breakdown. And you get the impression that Unit uh, absolved him of everything because it was a medical because situation was... or a mental situation. And so you get that impression from one of the two stories. I can't remember if it's the I end say, of I mean, one or the beginning Maybe I just need to go back and yeah. rewatch uh, It's the beginning of one or the, the end of the other. And that, that, that absolves him of what he attempted to do or what he helped attempt to do in um, okay yeah that and it's it, it really comes across as a throwaway line if i remember how it's addressed but that could fix everything from there on is the, just simply looking at that I, I remember being i remember personally feeling betrayed <laughs> even <laughs> though i knew it was coming <laughs> that that yates went that direction right right in, right. in dinosaurs and so then when we got to Planet of Spiders, it, it was it, it did feel like, okay, we've kind of moved the goalposts a little bit closer and that we're, we're, we're not exactly absolving him, but we're kind of, you know, and I could see Unit kind of very quietly maybe brushing under the rug. I don't, I think maybe dishonorable discharge is a little too far. It just seems but like oh, he, I think he, he was, was just, I think he was, out, I think he was medically discharged yeah. because they, okay. they, they, they address it as being a breakdown. Okay. Mental so, breakdown. But I agree with you. I think, I think I want one more half step closer of... I want somebody to explain it to me that, okay, all's forgiven. Yeah, I, I want yeah. that because I want Mike to be in the good graces. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. But again, that's I don't think that's necessary. No, not to this. No, not to this. And that's maybe than, something we. That's what we ought to do. Is we ought to do a uh, companion archive with uh, Mike Yates. I don't think we've done that no, yet. I don't think so maybe either. dig out a couple of things we could review and talk about Yates's uh, progression as a character. So yeah. yeah, I just had the thought while he was relaying it as, in the framing of. Especially when he was referencing other t- unit people, I was like, "Oh yeah, well, why is that a thing?" Or well, not? and he's he's so cavalier at making jokes about the Official Secrets Act that it's kind of like, I don't know if you're allowed to do that. It comes across well, I mean, that, if it, you're it, talking to unit, I think you're okay. Right, anybody else could. I don't know if you're allowed to do that <laughs> because of the history. I think you guys are giving so. him a hard enough time. I think because. The Brig's no longer there. Benton obviously is no longer there. Well, maybe Benton is and well, <laughs> that newer stuff. He but, comes back, but yeah. he's retired. But that's just it. I mean, the, a lot of these guys at the time that he's turning this artifact in, you get the right. impression that, I mean, nobody probably even knows that he was. If if, if the if everybody toes the line of what was a mental breakdown, anybody that would come into contact, including Kate or Osgood, if Wouldn't we're going to presume it was them, yeah. they would maybe know the history, but they wouldn't they wouldn't feel betrayed because they were removed from right, that. Right. So right. he could probably walk in, sit down and have a conversation and be revered as a former unit soldier or officer. So I think it's, again, from this, perspective, from this story, <laughs> from this story, I think story. it's okay. Sure. Coming back in another story and fighting alongside my comrades, if there's, if it's not addressed, then maybe there's, there's an issue there. So, 
No, I agree. I mean, we're blowing them completely out of proportion. <laughs> but I had the same thought. It was like, they let you back in the door? <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm, I'm on Mike's side. I want Mike to be allowed back in the door. I don't know if I'd give him a key to the officer's lounge, but I, you know, I <laughs> obviously they're that. not in unit. They're at some right. bar somewhere. Yeah, wherever they're wherever they're at. Well, yeah, because yeah, he doesn't know where the offices are for sure. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. He's heard they have an office down there. Um, I think Scott Hancock handles this story pretty well. Uh, I do think that perhaps from what you're saying is that maybe he had an idea. And went into it and realized the only way to kind of resolve this was to have our villain be summarily, summarily killed. <laughs> and so I think the easy fix for that is make him already a mass murderer and committing new crimes right. knowingly, somewhat knowingly. And I think that you can only justify dispatching somebody that powerful by killing them. And you can only do that by giving maybe a little more of a heavy backstory of making them a criminal. So I think maybe that's where Hancock maybe had to go down that line. And that's why you feel that tonal shift or right. that, that change of direction. Just well, and it's, it's set up with such a heavy intro when, when, when Mike's talking about, we didn't know it was in store for us. And if only we had, and there are some things that we still don't talk about. And it's like, Ooh, what is this going to, and then instead we get, la, 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 look magic. And it's like, Oh, okay. And then the heavy comes back at the end. And that, that's where I feel like, Wow, these just didn't quite gel as well as I think. Because if if you start off with this, if you're warning me how heavy the story is, well, go ahead and tell me the heavy. You know, give me a heavy story, and then we killed him at the end. It was like, oh wow, yeah, that was, man, that was that was dark, but that was cool. And instead, street magic. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but not that it, not that it was bad. Like I said, I enjoyed it. I do like that uh, Gates mentions unit doesn't even stand for that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I felt bad in a way. He sounds like such an old fogey. You can see, they get, you know, well, back in my day, and, well, you probably don't know this, but well, maybe you do, and well, this is, it doesn't stand for that anymore. And I heard your new offices over here. I was like, oh, man, you're just, you're like the lost grandpa who's there. <laughs> Trying to get his foot back in the door know, to live, relive his good so old bad. days. <laughs> that's, that's what made me think this was an underling. Like that somebody at the, was, oh, just go humor him and he'll turn in whatever he's got. And, you know. If it's even anything. Yeah. <laughs> he dug this thing up in his backyard. It's probably, you know. <laughs> I think because of the connections it makes to the new series, I think that that also lends heavy to the fact that I think it's Kate. I think it just makes more of an impact of he's talking to an old friend's daughter who's now in right. charge of units. So maybe I'm just painting that, but it seemed like something more led me to think that... This you have a much prettier Kate. painting in your head, so I'll go with <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, Kate. Any excuse for more Kate, sure. <laughs> but that's a good story. I give it I give it some middle marks. I think yeah. it's good. Yeah. All right, should we move on to a Peladon story? The Prisoner the of Prisoner Peladon? Of Peladon. The Prisoner of Peladon. The planet Peladon has joined the Galactic Federation and has undergone a painful period of change. Still eager to embrace alien culture, King Peladon has welcomed refugee ice warriors to his world, innocent creatures that are fleeing the new Martian Republic. But as an old friend returns to the capital, there is murder in the refugee camps. Could the truth lie in an ancient legend? Bum, bum, bum. I love the story. Really? I really love the story. <laughs> 
better than either of the televised Peladon stories, I think. Oh, is that right? I think so. I had wanted to go back and watch, um, and I may still do that this week. I just couldn't get around to it. I wanted to go back and watch Curse of Peladon, or is it Monster? Monster. Monster of Peladon, um, to remember King Peladon and the the, uh, the stories surrounding that. I, I, I had vague memories and still could make some of the connections. Uh, and then, of course, wanted to advance this week and re- watch Curse before we review Brad right. next week. But, yeah. Um, I did get to go back and rewatch those. Did you? And enjoyed yeah. them a lot more the second time. Yeah. I, a lot curse. of classic Who is that way. You watch it the first time and then you, you kind of get more out of it the second time. So it yeah. becomes more of an enjoyable yeah. story. And it went by a lot quicker. Even Curse, six parts, it went by fairly quickly. That's good. It was Curse was the one that I, I was not looking forward to rewatching as much. <laughs> and enjoyed it more than I oh, good. did previously. Oh, good. Well, if we were still I think doing Friday Night Who, that would have been the one that would have been the. I think it, I think the cool thing about it is the fact that this does make a nice bridge between Monster and Curse because oh, yeah. it's it's the the king has now got more footing from his newly appointedness in in uh, I mean he's quite young the young king in yeah. uh, uh, Cur- or, uh, Monster and then now he's had a, a little bit of time what, under his was, belt what five years yeah, yeah. but but still maybe not as strong of a king as he probably should be at this time but by the time he's relaying this story to his daughter yes. it clearly is which in turn we know becomes the queen of peril peladon in curse of peladon so well and it also helps lay some of the groundwork too where it talks about his new oh what the, the phrase they use the the minister dude where the guy who's off trying to oh, appease the oh, refugees. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who replaced the... He right. winds up being in a heavy part in Curse, in which Curse is a kind of an, yeah. another nice through line. Yes. I love this idea that there's a new Martian regime and there are refugees on Peladon that he's there protecting. That It just adds such a nice layer and helps... While we know in Curse they're at war... It's not Martian Civil War, but it's a war with whatever wherever it was. It's just nice to see more more turmoil, and it's kind of a step towards Martians were good and not the bad guy. Martians are the bad guy. It's a nice stepping between where they're being both at the same time in this story. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it also sets up the idea that unlike the Daleks, which are pretty much always the heavy. The Ice Warriors could go either way, depending on which story you're in. Right. And, well, maybe now it's not even so much that it's which story, but which faction. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know, maybe these are the, the guys who did the upsurping and the, the Well, just the idea that there is a Martian Civil War going on. I've <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the mind just reels at the ideas of stories you could tell with Now this. I want that box set. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and the fact that the Doctor then shows back up and ties everything together and... <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things about it is Peladon calling the Doctor out on his gleefulness of what's going on. and Because the Third Doctor always did, even though he took things seriously, he always relished at being smarter than everyone else. Yep. And mm-hmm. I love the fact that Peladon him. called him out on it. Yep. Well, I think that, that also really does it, it goes above and beyond in mounds of developing Peladon's character. Oh, yeah. Because... He, I mean, this is you know four or five years in, and he still feels like he's being walked on and and a puppet of the of the uh, Federation and 
being used by both sides and he's he has a soft side he has that more pacifist side that he that comes across right. uh, in the earlier story but it he he's really trying to do what's best but still seems to kind of fumble around what really needs to be done and he even mentions that they they are struggling with uh unshackling themselves from the superstitions of the past yeah and so that has to have something to do with it so i think it this really kind of becomes the breaking point for him as a ruler that i'm in control here and i'm tired of being manipulated and i'm tired of people keeping secrets from me and really standing up and that means standing up to Alpha Centauri, and that means to standing up to the Doctor as well. Mm-hmm. I really love the usage of Alpha Centauri in this too. <laughs> I did yeah. not see that coming. How panicked were you? I the, what? Yeah. What? No, you can't do that. To... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that there was something hiding in that tower. I even later suspected that it was whatever they were looking for. I did not suspect that Alessandari was helping it. No, me neither. Or was the, was the one that was hiding the, the, the princess up there. Right before they went for the reveal, I had this sinking suspicion that, oh, the locks and the forearm. Oh, well, no. We, like, right before that, but I was like... right before the reveal was him making the comment of the person that has snuck out... Yeah, quietly, and I realized that oh, Alpha and Centauri hasn't been here for a while, and that I suspected her it then. They, and what pronoun do we use? They used they, it in this. So they, is that the proper they pronoun? Changed it several times in this. No, didn't I was they? it the whole time. In, in, in this, uh, Alpha was constantly referred to as it. they or it. No, no, they. I listened for really? they. Yeah, because I kept thinking. In today's society, had this been written, we'd be using the pronoun one, they. they. They were saying it every time. And in fact, I was quite, it was not surprising to me because of when this was written, but it was surprising to me that because we now are in this era of that, the preferred pronoun is they. And to hear it almost sounded uh, sexist, or not sexist, but uh, bigoted. And I thought, well, no, that's not right because this isn't, we can't convey our society to society and Doctor Who and what Centaurians would be. It's him through the whole thing and it drove me nuts oh is it uh, <laughs> hmm that's yeah, odd because he's supposed to be genderless who's to say if that's right he, but it just, it, well unless Alpha Centauri chooses to use that pronoun by then who knows anyway, anyway it doesn't matter except for yeah no it was very clearly it every time um but yeah no so to, to find out that Alpha Centauri was really kind of behind this manipulation I thought wow I didn't expect that to go there um, and, and it works out because you're like, oh, yeah, okay. And it makes sense why Alpha Centauri is doing what they are doing. Um, but it was unexpected. It was yeah. quite unexpected. Well, and it, it, like, I, I was really dumbstruck with the idea that they were going to make Alpha Centauri the villain. That then there was a nefarious plot. And I was like, no, we can't do that. You're, you, we, no. It's always the Ice Warrior that's the bad guy in Peladon. <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. Or the priest. <laughs> or the priest. And then, well, they towed the line with that one, too. Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah. they, 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 was, they were still an a antagonist. Yeah. <laughs> but then um, when it was revealed that, oh, no, they were they, we, they had spirited the, the, the princess of Mars off. And we're and like, oh, okay, you're forgiven. <laughs> 
I just I had this huge weight come out because I was really concerned that they were well, and I more than any more than making Alpha Centauri a bad guy, the character change, if he had been be, behind it all, was my would have been my biggest issue, right? Because he is it is so spineless in Curse of Peladon that it. Granted, that's been fifty some years, but still, it's not something within that character's purview to do something like that unless for very good reason or, you know, ordered by the Federation. And so the fact that they actually they went there but didn't go out there all the way, I really liked. Yeah, I appreciated I that. Yeah. It was a nice way to utilize a character in a way that didn't fit didn't fit them in a mold, you know. Right. Uh, just a because the Alpha Centauri from the two television stories is really the same character. I oh mean, yeah. It's really the same fits the same mold, but this one changes that enough without changing the character. So. Yeah. All three television stories. Yeah. Yes. It's true. <laughs> the whole brief Empress, moment. Empress <laughs> and Mars. So now I'm immediately trying to figure out from a from an Ice Warrior timeline where that Civil War fits and have we seen pieces of it maybe on either side that we weren't quite aware of but actually could be part of this? You'll have to go back and kind of try to fit the timeline together and see. It, it would depend on where seeds. I sense an info, infographic coming on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really thought David Troughton did a magnificent job. I was so glad. This it, that was the neat thing about this being a companion chronicle and not being one of the companions that we consider a companion yeah. coming from King Peladon's perspective and and having that be one of the companion chronicles makes me excited that there's a chance that we could see a lot more of that down the line. I haven't listened to a lot of Companion Chronicles, so I don't know how often that will happen. Um, but, you know, the go-tos are always the companions that traveled with the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But to be able to, to do something like this with a, a character that was in a story that is considered a companion, didn't travel with the Doctor, but you could consider a companion. I think it still works. an ally. Yeah. And it opened it up in such a way that it really enriched the Peladon experience because you could have told this story with Sarah Jane or Joe or, or, or somebody else who was traveling with the doctor at the time, but you're an outsider coming into right. it then versus somebody who's been on Peladon, who knows the trials the Peladon has gone through. And obviously we're familiar with it from the episodes, but to really hammer home the, we're striving to get out of the shadow of this. We're trying to be better than this. We, you know, right. That really, I felt added to this nice, rich tapestry of what was going on. That it was from his point of view. So I, I really yeah. appreciated that. Going back to the king giving the doctor his what's what for. First of all, that reminded me of Donna in Runaway Bride. Yeah, uh, telling him to find somebody because he really needs somebody to keep him in check. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think could have been borrowed, probably when in writing this story, might have been borrowed. Mm-hmm. But it was a nice parallel and echo echo to that. Um, the other thing, though, that I, I I sort of felt because you kind of get defensive of your doctors when you hear them attacked in that way. And while I think that it, what King Peladon said is deservedly so. I also have to look at this from the point that from the get-go when the doctor shows up, you get the impression that he wasn't sticking around. In fact, it doesn't say why he's there, but you get the impression that maybe it's even accidental because it's like he almost (laughs) tries to to avoid them, first of all. (laughs) Then when he says hi to them and does their greetings and things like that, he's about ready to take off. And Peladon 
almost insists that he stay and help. Yeah, that's true. And so I think I can almost side on the, well, yes, maybe the things that the doctor did were wrong, but you are the one that dragged him into this. Right. So you kind of get what you what you signed up for. Part of my enjoyment of the what for is a doyalist aspect of it is the fact of how many plots are there that would be easily resolved with communication. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of the things he berated him about. That's was true. just told, loop me in and it wouldn't have been an issue. Right. <laughs> just hearing that acknowledged is always enjoyable. No, I, I completely agree. <laughs> and I'm certainly taking the Watsonian perspective from, right, from the other right. side. But, um, yeah, just overall, I quite enjoyed this story. And uh, uh, it's got me excited to go back to Peladon again next week, although that could be a disaster. The <laughs> other interesting thing about this is uh, Nicola Bryant directing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I did listen to some of the interview. Uh, I did listen to all the interview that they have on the disc as well. And uh, from what they... I don't know, did you guys hear it? Uh-uh, I from didn't. what they say... <laughs> There, she's in the interview with uh, David Troughton and Nicholas Briggs, who did the voices of the. My, it's my turn. <laughs> who did the voices of the Ice Warriors? They're all three talking with the. Uh, I can't remember who produced this one, but um, <laughs> they're uh, Nicholas Briggs and uh, David Troughton are both very, very impressed on how well versed Nicola Bryant was in the Peladon and the Ice Warrior stories. In huh. fact, down to the fact that they explained that they are that her and Nicholas argued the way that uh Ice Warriors would necessarily sound. And she had a lot she had a couple of good points and he had a couple of good points as well. But they sounds like they ended up doing it two ways and then deciding which way to go. And what we got <laughs> is what they went. Uh but, That's it, awesome. but she says she did a ton of research that she watched the episodes that she could she even did a little bit of online research um she watched some clips from other things and she really delved into this i wonder and, if and she made would sure. listen to her story with the ice warriors i think that was done after this i thought that was really early on in the line oh it, it must red, have red been dawn? it red, must red, have been no like you're right it must have been because she says um oh that that story yeah that's you're, the only you're one right. I know well, of. no, I'm thinking. Well, Bride, obviously, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what I thought you're referring to. But no. now that I think about it, I think Bride must have been done before this too, because she makes the she she comments to uh, David Troughton, who says, "Is there another Peladon story? I'd come back and do it again," which is encouraging because they might come back and do some more King Peladon. And she makes a comment, "Yeah, there's another Peladon story, but the king's gone by then." <laughs> uh, and so that would have been Bride at that point. Right. Yeah. So this, uh, Bride was 2008. This was 2009. Okay, so they had already done that one. So, Yeah, so she's got a Peladon story as well. Not so, necessarily just an Ice Warrior story, right. but a Peladon story as well. So, <coughs> What else do you guys think about this one? Any other interesting I have anything comments? else. I think we touched on everything. Yeah, it, was, it was thoroughly enjoyable, and I, I would totally support... A more Peladon stories if you can continue to tell them of this magnitude, of this quality. But, but I, I don't necessarily, I don't know how many more King Peladon stories I want. That's the unfortunate side effect of it, is, is, is and and I think it, it we'll touch on, on this a little bit more tell. next week. Is, is how many times can you go back to that particular well with with Peladon and the, because the political makeup that it is so different in this story from the previous two Peladon stories. If they can do something very different like this. I'd be okay with more King Peladon stories, but if 
there's I I don't I want them different from the televised stories. I think what makes this satisfactory to me too that they did this story is the fact that uh, Peladon's daughter in uh, Curse of Peladon makes the comment, and I remember this, that when she meets the doctor, that my father told me many stories about you. Right, and I thought, true. well, this at least makes it plural. And yeah. it would be kind of cool to maybe even have one more story in there with the doctor and the king. Yeah. In, in in the way that you say, I don't know how we could go back to Kel- take the king off of Peladon and he and the doctor end up and, having to go somewhere on some ambassadorship and things go wrong. I think you could or take some federation conference, some federation conference. or, or, or yeah. tie it back in with the we're going to take the princess back home to Mars to lay claim to the throne. Something like that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I, that, that story. I think you can bring Peladon back and yeah. do it if very you do it well without do, having all of the you know political mechanisms of. Uh, you just need to stay away Peladon. from Agador in the story. <laughs> yes, you do have to stay away from Agador. That's true. <laughs> so they stayed away from Agador in this one a bit. <laughs> Other than nice references, yeah, they did I, I, have references. I've listened ahead. Spoilers. <laughs> mm. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, as hinted at, we return to Peladon again. We do? Next week, <laughs> we're listening Hooray! to the, uh, the, the the main range story, Bride of Peladon, uh, featuring the Fifth Doctor and Perry and Aramum and uh, the, the planet of Peladon again. Uh, so this kind of made it for a nice uh, uh, segue into that. Uh, the following week, we are back in the Brigverse with our review of Nick Walters' The Man from Yesterday. And it drove me nuts because I kept, I just, I was just lazy. I didn't do the research, but we kept saying Nick Walters, the man from yesterday. I go, why does Nick Walters' name sound familiar? (laughs) Well, duh, it's because he wrote Mutually Sure Domination. And I went, oh, he's that Nick Walters. Yeah. So suddenly I got much more excited to read the (laughs) (laughs) because I remember how much we liked that one. Uh, But we'll be coming back with uh, our reviews of that. And I don't remember what's after that, so I have to go. You go to the website and look while you're checking out different places to listen to us and donate to us and uh, and feedback us. It's Sunday now. Uh, tomorrow is Monday. If this gets out on the feeds a little bit, you want to talk a little, just briefly about what's uh, happening tomorrow night? Just briefly. I guess it's technically a piece of news. Uh, the Fathom Events here in the States are doing a showing of the director's cut of Genesis of the Daleks. Uh, and hopefully many of you are very excited about that. We actually, well, I will be down at uh, our local Regal Movie Theater taking part in that. So if you're in the Topeka area and want to come out, uh, come to our table and say hi. Uh, if you come during the presentation, I won't be there because I'll be in watching Genesis. So there's that. So we want to thank also Regal for uh, allowing us to uh, be there and set up tomorrow night. Definitely. Yes. All right. Very good. Anything else we need to touch on before we close the show out? Great. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. And thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.